Hello and welcome back to the Ascent Cycling Podcast, a daily recap of stage number three of the Tour de France between Lorient and Pontivy, 183 kilometers for a sprint stage. Um, I mean, I'm currently angry. I think a, a lot of people are angry. Uh, but first of all, Joe, how are you? I'm I'm fine, thank you, Gil. I'm fine. How are you? Angry? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm angry. I'm angry. I mean, I personally, I'm fine, but I'm angry uh, because what we just saw was a recipe for disaster. This stage was dangerous. And before we get into the details of the stage, we have to congratulate one team, Alpes and Phoenix, invited team on this Tour de France. Yesterday won uh, and took the yellow jersey. Today ends up uh, finishing with a 1-2 win by Tim Merlier, ahead of Jasper Philipson. Tim Merlier, the man of the first sprints on the Grand Tours. Giro first sprint, he's won it. Tour de France first sprint, He's won it. Um, a very, very solid performance by the uh, Belgian side. I believe joining him on the podium, I think, is Nasser Boigny. Uh, but a sprint. And the final 15 kilometers were completely out of order. They were. I mean, we had narrow roads, firstly, in Brittany. Very narrow roads. We had kind of this rolling terrain in the final 15, kind of 15k to about 7k to go. And everyone knew with about 7k to go, the road would swing downhill and we had a descent into the final 2 or 3k. And I said yesterday there would be a, a kind of rush for position at the top of that climb. But when you have narrow roads and you have literally every team with sprinters, GC riders, all needing to be at the front, um, you know, it's a recipe for disaster on a descent like that. We've seen a few abandons today for sure. Uh, we've seen sprinters wiped out not having a chance to go for the stage win uh we've seen all sorts of chaos we've seen gc riders on the deck gc favorites on the deck um and not a good day for the tour de france as a whole for sure at all not at all and the the stage had already started with an incident early on uh a crash involving Geraint thomas tony martin yet again and uh robert hessing forcing robert hessing out of the tour de france I believe Gary Thomas had um, a uh, dislocated shoulder. I mean, apparently it got fixed during the race, but you will have um, some physical scars over the next few days. Um, Tony Martin just completely unlucky. I mean, first of all, he, he hit the sign in stage one. He falls today. And then you would have expected him to be protecting Primo Roglic in the final 15K. Uh, because as you said, every single team wanted to be at the front and you cannot share such an hour road with 22 teams every single leader or sprinter that i had heard this morning had said the plan is to be at the front in the final 20k because if you're not well you've basically lost the stage and sadly it created a lot of incidents at first um we had miguel Angel lopez crashing on the side of the road with i believe valentin maduas uh, they wanted to do some uh, some cyclocross some CX on the side of the road uh, and fell. I think uh, Miguel Lopez then got uh, the back of someone much taller than him, which was quite funny to see, but he did lose uh, a fair share of time. And then we had maybe not the biggest crash, but probably name-wise the biggest because Primoz Roglic hit the deck. Primoz Roglic hit the deck indeed. And uh, yeah, I think he fell down by himself, but it was a hard fall as well. He was His uh, jersey was quite severely ripped up and he you could see he was uh, in some pain when he stood up as well we had the entire Jumbo Visma team waiting for him bar 
Wout van Aert, who stayed at the front. And to me, that is, um, that's very intriguing because they dropped Jonas Finger goal as well, about to help Primoz Roglic. But uh, anyway, Roglic clearly shaken up. But um, to be honest, it kind of kept them out of even more trouble because there was a, another severe crash as well. Um, on that descent, I think Jack Haig has abandoned the race due to that crash. Um, it looked like there were quite a few riders shaken up. I think I saw Brian Kokar on the side of the road as well. Um, he got absolutely wiped out. Um, quite a few riders as well. It was a, a recipe for disaster. You could see that corner. Downhill, narrow roads. There was no way the peloton at that stage of the race were getting around that corner entirely safely. So, um, yeah, just a disastrous day. We even had Garrett Thomas as well. Uh, not really related to the parkour, but uh, 100k to go um, or even more. Garrett Thomas was down as well, like you say. And the dislocated shoulder, I think um, I think that shouldn't be too bad an issue because he's avoided a fracture. So I, I do feel that Garrett, you know, it's not his Tour de France over just yet. Um, but yeah, I think we're looking at just a handful of riders who've really come through this stage completely unscathed. Indeed, and somehow that wasn't even all of the incidents we had mm-hmm. uh, because final two kilometers we've entered the uh, finishing town of Pontivy. Mathieu van der Poel uh, takes the helm of the peloton puts a massive massive rhythm in a group that was actually quite small um, it wasn't the mass sprint we expected uh, because well most of the sprinters had been at the back someone like Mark Evenish, uh was um, caught up in the first incident with Valentin Madouas and the, the finish, I mean, I'm sorry. So you have Alpersin leading out. You then have a battle for position for third place between Peter Sagan and Caleb Ewan. And then just behind that, you've got Nasser Bueni. Peter Sagan is known for playing the elbow. I do believe that he was quite fair during this sprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, who puts a bend in the final 200 meters of a mass sprint where the riders are at max speed? I don't know, but Caleb Ewan slightly touches the rear wheel of Timalia and immediately falls, taking Peter Sagan out with him. The rest, well, I mean, Peter Sagan doesn't win. Caleb Ewan has, uh, according to uh, Thomas Arendt, been taken yeah. in an ambulance right now and is um, suspected to have a fractured collarbone. So the Australian will potentially not win on three Grand Tours. Uh, and it led to yeah, just a one-two formal place in Phoenix, with Nasser Bonny in third place, Julien Lafilippe retaining green, finishing in P6. But so, mo- so many of these incidents could have been avoided. I, and I do believe that ASO is responsible for most of the incidents today. I mean, we had um, ASO suing one of the fans, or the fans, suing OPO Magal. But today, uh, some teams could genuinely have grounds to sue ASO for the parkour. We would have expected to have taken lessons from the Philipson crash. I believe that definitely the Roglic crash and definitely the, the Jack Hay crash as well, they can definitely be put down 100% to the parkour and the situation of the race. 5k to go, you can't really have roads like that. Particularly at the early stage, stage three of the Tour de France. If this is stage 17, um, I think it's somewhat different because not everyone needs to be rushing to the front. Not everyone has a sprinter still in the race. Not everyone has a prime GC contender as well. So you need to consider that too. Um, Putting it in stage three is is a recipe for disaster as well. I feel like a lot of races do have corners at a finish, at a sprint finish. We saw it at the Giro. We saw it at races like the Classica Almeria earlier in the season as well. Um, so it's not just the Tour de France that do that. And I don't know, I feel like Caleb Ewan, he went to Malia's right, realised he'd chosen the wrong side, 
tries to swap and it was just too late without touching his wheels. So, um, you know, would that have happened if it was a, a straight finish? Perhaps not. But I also feel like Ewan has has perhaps is slightly a rider error there, um, going the not going the wrong side, but trying to switch back too early, um, and that I think is partly why the crash was caused. But again, if that's as a completely straight finish to the line, that probably doesn't happen. So, is there really a need for those bends right on a sprint finish? I'm not sure. I don't think so. And I think had it been a straight finish, Caleb Ewan would not have done that because the the sole reason as to why he's on the inside is. From a purely line standpoint, you want to take the inside of the corner. You want to be at the apex to have the better trajectory into the finish. You don't want to do the extra miles on the outside because that doesn't make sense. And also you want to be as much as possible in or protected by the wind, which is why you want to be on the inside of Temelia. Sadly, there was no space. I do, at the end, believe that this was a rider error, but I think it could have been avoided with a different profile. Mm-hmm. Had it, like... If Kelbyun doesn't touch Timaria, then there's no issue. The profile did not force him to crash. But I think there was an incentive for him to be like, I couldn't take the inside because there was a bend. No bend, no crashes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I see your point completely. And uh, yeah, it definitely needs to be looked at. Definitely what can be called an ugly stage at this Tour de France. It's been a pretty grim start, I must say. If we look back to the Giro, we had the crashes of Lander and, uh, and Dombrowski on stage five. Um, but before that, I don't think there were any kind of meaningful crashes at all. At this tour so far, we've had about five big crashes today, big riders, big crashes, big injuries. We've had two massive crashes on stage one as well. It's been a pretty uh, horrendous start to the Tour de France in that sense. It has. It has. And uh, I believe it was, uh, I think I've quoted that on the first podcast, but Perito had said that if the tour doesn't start with the time trial, there's always, always a lot of crashes in the opening stage. And that is true, and it's carrying on because, I mean, I won't say sadly, but Brittany as a region is a region with very narrow roads because that's that's how the, the geography of, of the land is, and it can offer for some great racing. However, when you put 182 riders who all have a purpose in those narrow roads at very high speeds in corners that you can't take at those speeds, it's it creates... An element of danger and there's always danger in cycling all right we the riders know it but i think you can you need to try and limit said damage and i'm really i'm literally reading what uh mark madiel said the ds of, uh, of fdg i'm going to translate it but he said that he is uh, a father and he does not want to see his kid ever touching a bike with those kind of parkour because what the uci or sorry what aso wants right now is death yeah, it's not safe. It's not safe. And I'm pretty uh, certain that Madio was uh, angry, to say the least, incessant, I think, when he said those words on uh, French TV. But um, anyway, we're recording this about 10 minutes after the stage. So uh, we're not exactly sure what the damages are. We know Jack Haig has abandoned. I'm 99% certain, Guillaume, that Caleb Ewan sadly will be abandoning the Tour de France today as well, based on those images at the end. Hopefully there's no one else. Um, but yeah, we're not sure exactly who's going to step out of the Tour de France today. We're not sure on the condition of riders like Primoz Roglic. So all we can hope for is that the race can go on and as many riders as possible have got through today without having to abandon and uh, suffer for the rest of the Tour de France. Absolutely. One last thing, as you said, we're recording very shortly after the stage. Um, it had been said that some riders had asked the direction to have the times being neutralised after eight kilometers and not three, uh, sorry, not five, as we usually see. 
So uh, we can see how that changes because Tadej Pogacar did lose time in those final eight kilometers. He's currently sitting behind Richard Carapaz, who is one of the unscathed GC riders uh, of today. Uh, but yeah, potentially we'll see uh, some uh, removed gaps following uh, following an ASO decision. But for now, for now, Mathieu van der Poel is still leading the Tour de France ahead of Julien Philippe. Richard Carapaz jumps up to P3 with Wojvo Nott and Wilco Kelderman wrapping up the top five. Pogacar, 39 seconds down. Primoz Roglic, one minute and 35 down. Yeah, so I only think we have a couple of GC riders who managed to finish at the front of the race on a sprint stage, which is, which is crazy to say. And uh, I want to bring it up again, Guillaume, because Wout van Aert was a rider not brought back by Jumbo Visma. I think, you know, if you drop Wout van Aert, you get closer to the front of the race with Roglic, right? So would have made sense to do that. And especially when you have Jonas Vingegaard as well, to choose to drop him rather than Wout van Aert, I think is uh, very telling in their plans you know if Roglic isn't leader it looks like Wout van Aert could be their man to try and get a GC result here um, which is quite exciting if you ask me um, I thought he'd be a pure domestique kind of for Roglic so um, that's an interesting point to take from this stage of uh, of other otherwise horrors I guess. 100% and um, regarding uh, Jonas Vingegaard what was interesting to see there is Primoz Roglic finished with Jonas Vingegaard's bike um, so I do believe that he gave it to him. Uh, and also, according to Jombo's Twitter, Vingegaard was caught up in, the in-, in an incident. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one, but apparently he got caught up in an incident. Uh, and also, from from a, sa- a safety standpoint, I don't know if dropping Wolfgang Art would have been a very safe decision in those roads. There was no way to go, and you could have created a bit more crashes. Um, you could have dropped him had you wanted to. Uh, but then, I mean, we... It's well or not. He could potentially try to go for the stage. He had said this morning that he wasn't his aim. However, if he's the only one in the peloton, he might as well try to do so. He didn't. Uh, but I don't see him as the co-leader of Yombo Visma. Uh, I just doesn't feel like Yombo had the nerve to maybe like bring him back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, a rider who got through today pretty well was Wilco Kelderman. I think uh, we've seen him avoid the bad luck he's usually been struck with so far in his career. Um, Emmerich Mass as well was only 14 seconds down. And looking at Movistar, Lopez, Superman Lopez, is almost four minutes down now in GC compared to Mass, who's 40 seconds down. And you have to consider at this point, you know, you can't really lose five minutes in the first three stages of a Grand Tour and hope to win it. So um, I think they might be going for Emmerich. I think it's been. I, I think Miguel Lopez's hopes are done. Um, movie star has been unlucky. Uh, it has to be mm-hmm. mentioned. I mean, they've lost Mark Seller in the first stage. Uh, Valverde has lost five and a half minutes on the first stage. After three stages, Miguel Lopez has never been able to finish with the first group. They they've had a very bad run of luck. Thankfully enough, and I'm touching wood. I mean, currently my desk is made of glass, so it's not wood, but I'm still touching wood in an imagery. Uh, that Enric Mas doesn't have any issues because their tool has been very, very, very unlucky. Right, final uh, detail of the stage uh, before moving on to the preview. Uh, we did have a breakaway today with some riders from BNB, some riders from AG2R, but mainly Ida Schelling once again going for the breakaway and this time getting the one point that he needed at the Côte de Cadoudal to ensure himself to be the actual Polkadot jersey and not the wearer of the jersey. So in... But for the next two stages, at best, actually three stages, 
Ida Schelling will be the Polka leader of the tour. So looking ahead to now stage four of the Tour de France, we head into Fougere, where we will have most likely a sprint finish. Let's hope uh, we have a less messy stage and no crashes tomorrow. That would be a, a bit of rele- a, a relief, I think, for everyone. Um, but yeah, we have... Quite a, I would say, not as technical run-in tomorrow. We have a turn around 2.8 kilometers to go uh, at a roundabout. There'll be a big race for that. And then the other key moment is 900 meters to go. We have a big right-hand turn. Um, and then it's pretty much straight to the line in Fougere uh, with a slight kink in the road, but um, shouldn't be too severe. So hopefully we have a more kind of simple, basic parkour with no crazy downhills in the final 5K. Um, and hopefully, at least, Guillaume, we avoid crashes tomorrow. I mean, we can only hope. We can only hope. You can never know when there'll be crashes or not. But I think this parkour is a bit less um, treacherous than today's. And I think we will have a mass sprint. The question is, which casualties will we have? Because, uh, I mean, Caleb Ewan is most likely out. But some of the sprinters, like Arnaud Demar, for example, sure, is still in the race. But he did crash. We'll see how that affects him. Uh, are we going to see another masterclass from Alpes and Phoenix? There are a lot of questions, but hopefully, hopefully we'll have an actual sprint. Moving on to the final part of the podcast with, um, well, our predictions ahead of tomorrow's sprint stage between Redon and Fougère. Fougère, uh, which has hosted the Tour de France quite often, actually. And uh, the last win was in 2015, I believe, with Mark Cavendish raising his hands. Will he raise them again during uh, tomorrow's stage? I'm not so sure. However, I do have the Brit to finish on the podium. He will be in third position of tomorrow's stage. P2 will be for today's winner, Tim Merlier. And it will be Arnaud Demar taking the honours in Fougère, getting his win on the Tour de France. My, my, you, uh, you stole my little intro there. I knew uh, Cavendish took that stage in uh, <laughs> 2015, and that's why he's my pick to oh. win stage four of the Tour de France. Let's go for it. Let's go for a Cavendish win. A, a nice feel-good story again to uh, boost the um, the Tour de France rep after today's stage. So I'll go for a Cavendish win. I shall go for a Peter Sagan, second place. He seemed to uh, jump straight back up after his crash today, so I think he's okay. Um, and I'll go for Merlia in third place. So um, hopefully a Manx missile claiming his 31st win at the Tour de France. I would be. That would be a very decent story. And- the finish would suit them. It is, I mean, them by Mikel Morcao mm-hmm. and Mark Cavendish. Yeah. It is a very, very DQT finish. Um, but yeah, well, hopefully the Max Missile does well. Hopefully not well enough to make you equalize in our little prediction game. Um, but I believe that this is where we're going to wrap up this podcast. We do hope you've enjoyed it. If you did, then please uh, do subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and leave a like down below if you're listening to your respective streaming platforms. Make sure to hit the follow button in order to not miss a single upload over the next 21 days. But Joe, do you have a final word for us today? Tour de France, sort it out. Tour de France, sort it out. ASO, we're watching you. Have a nice day. Cheers, guys.